Okay, we are ready to rock and roll. This is so funny too because this is probably the longest like pre-conversation <laughs> I've had prior to recording an episode. Sorry about that. No, literally no need to apologize. Like it's great. <laughs> I just feel bad because I might ask you some things that we already talked about, but oh well, we'll just go into it. So I normally like to start with um, like how we know each other, but I'll mm. probably put that like maybe towards the end. You so got we it. lead into something. We have a teaser, guys, a mm. big um, reveal. But yeah, so normally I kind of just start with like your childhood. So mm. like take me back to like little baby you and, you know, what was it like growing up in Los Gatos? What was kind of like your family like? Like how do you, how would you characterize your childhood? You know, uh, my childhood, like, I can't say that it was bad. Like I had a pretty good childhood. And I mean, like, as we all do, like there were bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say if I were to characterize it, just to sum it up, um, my mom is an immigrant from the Azores. Um, My dad is just a regular old American. His (laughs) family has been here for a while. Um, And so I grew up speaking Portuguese. I gradually lost my ability as I got older and my mom stopped speaking it and my sister stopped speaking it. And um, my grandparents eventually passed. Um, I would say that the thing I struggled with most, uh, growing up was probably my situation at school. Um, I didn't really fit in that well. And mm. that, uh, <laughs> that trend kind of continued on for like the, the rest <laughs> of my schooling experience. Um, I was more on the effeminate side. I was a little more awkward, a little more shy and, um, not all kids like that. Um, and kids are dicks just in general (laughs) i would i would agree with that statement um and so i would say that 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 kind of shaped my experience definitely at school at home i would say it was more positive my mom is very nurturing um i was especially connected to uh, my maternal grandparents um and i was i was pretty sad when they passed i was almost 10 and um i would say if we were moving on from like childhood into like what what is like middle school years is that like tweenhood i know yeah mm. i guess it's like yeah tweenhood oh yeah. i love that yeah that, that tweenhood yeah. whatever that that's is that's normally i feel like when shit starts to hit the fan for oh most yeah people oh yeah you know that, I mean? that was for me yeah um so that's when the gay problem started happening the gay problem <laughs> um so um i really had very little exposure to gay stuff mm-hmm. i knew that um I had a friend in elementary school who um, had two moms and like I I kind of I like I I understood that he had two moms but like that didn't really sink in and I remember I was very confused by that and Mm -hmm. I think I was confused because like I saw some of them in myself Mm. Um, but like it would be years before I began to reconcile with that. I uh, first began to uh, question whether or not I was straight. Uh, spoiler, I was not. Um, in uh, <laughs> in uh, when I was in sixth grade, when um, I had realized. So my grandfather played soccer when he was in Portugal, and uh, so I had been raised to just to love soccer. And so obviously, when you watch soccer, you watch the players playing soccer, and. Um, I realized that I think I had probably different thoughts about the players than straight boys did. Um, and like, I realized that, you know, like it, it, I, 
I started to think about, oh, am I idolizing you because you're kicking a ball around or am, do I think you're attractive? Um, and so I started to lean more towards the latter. Um, that began to really scare me. Um, and so I kind of just repressed that for about another two years until I hit maybe about eighth grade and it became something that I couldn't push down anymore. Um, I never told my parents because I was afraid of how they would react. Um, and so, um, I, I just, I kept that one to myself. Um, I would say the repression period in middle school, I would say that was probably one of the hardest times uh, setting that aside from, uh, an event that would come later. But, um, yeah, repression, finding my identity, I would say that would be middle school. Yeah. Um, one thing that scared me a lot and I used to stay up, um, so late at night thinking about this and I would say it especially became prominent like seventh grade eighth grade I would think about do people know my secret can they find it Mm. out are they looking at my clothes are they looking at how I cross my legs are they listening to how I you know how I use my voice yeah um there were times and I did this well into high school where I would purposefully lower my voice like this to the point where when I came home and started using my voice normally my vocal cords would hurt Um, so there, there was a lot of repression going on, a lot of internalized guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, I somehow managed to give myself the belief that this was like some divine mission. And if I could like make myself straight, then I would have proven myself to God. Um, and I, I think I got past that at like about 14, but that, that one bugged me for a while. Yeah. Um, that's like, that's so much like weighing on like your, your chest and stuff mm -hmm. like that is heavy shit and Mm -hmm. thinking like yeah like this is some kind of like divine you know intervention and Mm -hmm. reason for why i am this way and Mm -hmm. why i need to repress it and whatever like that's so much for like a middle schooler to like have on their plate absolutely and it it got worse when like i got like more comments about how like my voice wasn't deepening as quickly as like other boys in my grade i'm on the younger side anyway but my voice is naturally kind of nasal and high-pitched um, you know, I dressed nicer. I had better sense of hygiene. I yeah, used big just... words, had a, you know, sort of a respect for women, which is uh, less common among straight men. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, um, so, uh, yeah, I would say receiving comments about that definitely made me more self-conscious. Um, 14, I started identifying as secretly bi. Um, I hadn't, my understanding of my sexuality hadn't fully developed yet. I had thought that I was a biromantic homosexual. And Mm. the way I justified that was I was predominantly friends with women and I got along with them better than I did guys and I could open up to them more. So that meant that I was romantically attracted when in truth it kind of wasn't. Right. But um, I don't think I would fully understand that I was just gay until my senior year. Um, But um, in high school, I would say probably the biggest event was um, being outed by a former friend. Um, And so that was the culmination of like a year of outing, of fake popularity, of moving around my identity to um, be part of a group. Um, And um, yeah, it it gave me a very complex relationship to Los Gatos High School because I was... It, it was difficult because I wanted to go to the administration and tell them about how I was being blackmailed, about how I was being subjugated for my sexual orientation. Um, but I could not take the risk of telling my parents because I just yeah. didn't know how it was going to go down. My sister is a lesbian, but I would not find that out until long after I had been mm-hmm. outed. So, um, 
that added another layer of difficulty. Um, I mean, just oh, like mm. we talked about this a little bit before too, mm. but like outing is the like most fucked up thing like you could do. Like it is not, it's not a joke. It's not a fucking funny prank. It's mm. not anything like literally like it's life or death. Like you could out someone and that person could end up having their whole life fucking fall apart before their eyes. They could get kicked out of their home. They could end up fucking killing themselves. Like mm-hmm. it's not a joke. That is so, so like upsetting to me mm-hmm. that like anyone would ever think that that's something that that's, that is okay to do. Like it's so fucking not. Ugh. Yeah. I would say that was probably my most eye-opening experience when it comes to, um, the, the social class system mm-hmm. in LJHS and I have been told that you know like I overexamine like people's like stereotypical like the jock or the nerd or whatever at Los Gatos High School and to an extent I think I do but I we we have cliques we have yeah. very clearly oh, absolutely. defined cliques absolutely and I really wanted to be a part of the popular clique because for so long I had been I had been my own clique mm-hmm. I had you know been jumping from group to group looking for acceptance looking for a place to um keep my sexuality a secret, um, which I had never found. And so uh, when I had um, gotten into the routine of helping um, the person with uh, her homework, and it eventually progressed into something where I was doing all of her homework in addition to mine, and um, I got to hang out with her popular crowd, and then she tacked on the threat of if I didn't comply, then I'd be outed. And that lasted for well into my sophomore year, which is when things finally blew up when I couldn't take it anymore. Um, so I would say that that has probably, I, I hate to say it, but that's probably been one of my most defining experiences at LJHS. Yeah. I think it says a lot about the privilege we have here and just, I don't know, I feel, I feel like we're just, pardon my French, I feel like we're just completely fine fucking each other over for no reason. Um, And so, yeah, I don't even know where to go from there. No, I mean, like, that's, it's Mm. so much. Like, that is so much for a fucking high schooler to be dealing with. It's so messed up from, for, for someone to, first of all, be blackmailing you with that? Are you kidding me? Like, it's, yeah, I just, I... You know, I always want to approach things with the belief that, you know, like people are good and like when given the opportunity, they'll do the right thing. But a lot of times people will be fucking assholes. And like, I know I'm dropping a lot of F-bombs right now too, but I'm just that angry. Like it's Mm. so upsetting that that, you know, happens. And then also that these people walk around with no consequences and just like with this idea that like, that's Mm. something that's okay to do. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And like, that's just part of this like social game. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not a fucking game. Like Mm -hmm. I, like what did that do to you just like mentally? Cause I feel like that would just take such a toll. That is actually a, um, I would say that is probably what brought a lot of my, um, mental stuff to light Mm -hmm. um i did deal with anxiety and depression and obsessive compulsive disorder previous to um my experience with the outing and i did um i did contemplate suicide when i was 13 but um things definitely became darker um during my sophomore year after i was outed i was 15 years old at the time and um when I uh, relayed all this experiences to uh, my team of therapists who have been helping me kind of get back get back together and be prepared for the adult world, mm-hmm. they have identified that it did lead to um, post-traumatic stress disorder and yeah. it can be seen just in the way 
it's it's weird to talk about it but like my relationship with other guys is very complicated yeah because usually like for a straight guy a straight guy sees as um other other guys as his competition his enemies but like that's about as far as it goes whereas for me it's a little more complicated they in my experience i have not had really good luck with them as friends and that's just specifically my experience Mm -hmm. i'm not saying guys are bad but um they 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 make up a multiple of things they could be possible friends they could be people that could stab me in the back they could be people that i'm attracted to or are attracted to me and so um it's it's caused um like an interesting relationship with my own identity and masculinity Uh, for a period of time after i was outed i had tricked myself into believing that i could convince people into thinking that the person who outed me was lying by deepening my voice dressing more um like a prep uh cutting my hair short just acting stupid things that are less traditionally associated with gay guys right like fitting that masculine stereotype exactly and the only way i can put it is it felt like i couldn't breathe like it um for so many years, I kept that secret to myself of me being gay. And, you know, it, it really didn't feel like I could breathe. It, um, whenever I came home, I had to think about, and it's hard because I'm very close with my mother and with my sister and with other people. I had to think about um, how much can I tell them about what's gone on at school? Can I tell them that I got called faggot? Can I tell them that um, I worked myself into such a tizzy in math thinking about my sexual orientation that I almost fell out of my chair? Um, can, can I tell them these things in how many small details do I have to leave out and especially how many lies do I have to tell to cover up this thing so um that has caused an interesting I I keep using the word interesting relationship but um fair word to describe hmm. it it's complicated yeah I I struggle with um with honesty and with being fully authentic just because I don't know I, I I think the outing thing caused a fear of rejection yeah um and yeah I would say with with friendship um it may sound kind of cliche but like ever since then i have never really had a group of people Mm -hmm. because i haven't been able to bring myself to trust a group and not feel like i'm on the outside or i'm somehow vulnerable to an attack um and so since then it has been just singular people in like different groups and that i hang out with just them not like a group of people Mm -hmm. and so um yeah, I don't even know where to go I from mean, there. Yeah, it's just like, it's so, I think suffocating, I think is like a great way that you put it too. And like having to wrestle with like wanting so badly to like be yourself and be able to like express who you are. Mm-hmm. And, but having to like put up these walls, even with like people that you love because of like the threat that everyone around you sort of poses to you. Like that's got to feel so like lonely. Like I just can't. I can't even imagine just like what you, you know, what you were going through and like what kind of place you had to be in. Like seriously though, you're so fucking strong for just being here. <laughs> Thank because you. like you're so sweet. I, honest, I can't even imagine that. Like it just feeling like, you know, you have to be like looking over your shoulder at all times because someone's going to try to like fuck with you. Like it, it definitely, I, I would say that was probably the, um, the largest uh, symptom of my mm-hmm. PTSD now is that I am constantly 
thinking about like does this person secretly hate me are they out to get me and like even now i still have thoughts about like is this somehow connected to my sexual orientation Mm. because like i i keep thinking it's that same thought press process of when i was outed like am i being blackmailed can i risk doing this without outing myself um is this going to be too far is this going to lead to like the ultimate punishment like me being being outed um i would say it's it sounds kind of discriminatory but like especially like straight people in general i have difficulty being completely open with mm-hmm. because i do feel like there's um there is a lack of of trust yeah. for me being able to give there like less so with straight women because i feel like even though the person who outed me was a straight woman um i i still have a um i still trust them a little bit more than mm-hmm. straight men because I don't know. I just feel like there, there's just so much hatred coming from that direction yeah. towards me in general. I have met straight men who are very much allies. I do know a straight guy who's very kind to me and has been a very good ally. But um, but it sucks that you have to say, I know a straight mm-hmm. guy. Like, mm-hmm. literally singular. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like, I, you know, I'm friends with a lot of dudes, too. I, I, I like guys. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, you know that kind of relationship but i Mm. just feel like masculinity as a whole is Mm -hmm. just like such a fucking prison Mm. and there are so many guys who are you know i don't know how much of it is just them being dicks because they're dicks or it's because of you know what masculinity and the idea of masculinity has like led them to believe Mm. is like the only acceptable way to behave and that means that means being homophobic that Mm. means being misogynistic that means all these fucking things Mm -hmm. when you know in reality that shouldn't be what masculinity is absolutely but that's this you know current case of things mm-hmm. so it's just yeah it sucks that you have to literally be like oh like i can you know i can count on one hand like how many straight guys i trust yeah i i would say like jumping off of what you said like complex relationship with masculinity i i do feel like especially straight guys see me as sort of an enigma Mm. because you know like i i put more like if we're gonna start superficial like i do put more effort into my appearance i do um like think more about my vocabulary and my words when i say them um i would say i'm more focused on feelings than i am on logic and debate Mm -hmm. which i think is something that is was taught to be a foreign concept to a lot of men definitely and um like for other examples like i'm more comfortable wearing my hair long i'm more comfortable having a nasal and high-pitched voice naturally i'm almost exclusively friends with women i tend to talk about things that are you know that guys typically don't talk about Mm -hmm. and i tend to avoid the things that guys typically do talk Mm -hmm. about like um sports sex um you know racial slurs yeah um, you know those kinds of things that are just i don't know those those don't feel like enough to satisfy me um but um masculinity yeah i would say it wasn't until maybe about like sophomore or junior year that i began examining about like how masculinity relates to feelings and how Mm -hmm. like how can i process like my grief over losing like my friends my reputation yeah my um it it did almost feel like a loss of innocence yeah um and you know how like is is it okay to cry like is it okay to cry in public is it okay to be sad about that is like i didn't really even understand that i had depression until i went into my therapist and she's like you you have depression and you've had it for a few months um and so um 
yeah yeah it's like what are the rules even you Mm -hmm. know that you have to abide by to Mm -hmm. be man enough or to Mm -hmm. be this or that like yeah no one gives you the handbook but you try to figure it out and Mm -hmm. then it ends up being like these constraints that are Mm -hmm. just so impossible Mm -hmm. you know very foreign i that's oh i'm just i feel like i'm just sitting here just getting angry this whole time (laughs) i'm just like i just want to fucking hurt someone for you but yeah I, i just i don't know man i think we so we can talk about this too at the end more but like obviously like we're doing I, hopefully this will be i'll be saying yeah tomorrow because i'm gonna put this out on saturday but sunday we are help part of a team t- putting together an event for um sexual assault um survivor solidarity basically sunday the 26th at 10 a.m boom lghs track be there um but yeah and i think through that too we've all it's been fun because it's like just a random ass group of people like we're all from like different grades different like social groups all these things but we all totally but we all just like have this understanding of you know the importance of this issue and what like we've just had so many good conversations too about like what masculinity looks like what femininity looks like how these two are defined how sexism totally like all these things and i think even just yeah like just looking within our own community and just like the blatant like harassment and things that just happen too like i it sucks to say but i feel like i've been conditioned almost to like not even take certain things like that seriously like i'm like oh it's it's not even like that big of a deal for someone to be like catcalling me like i'm just like used to it you know Mm -hmm. and i feel like it, it sucks that we're like desensitized to that absolutely and i feel like people get that way too with like you know homophobic things like the number of times i've heard someone use that word like literally yeah, it makes my blood boil it makes me so mad racial slurs all these things where you're like you can't the minute you start like desensitizing yourself to this like you're part of the problem because you're like literally just like letting it happen mm-hmm. and i just yeah so did people ever just like drop the f word in front of you did they ever like I don't know. Did they ever like target you or like bully you, harass you, that kind of thing? Um, yeah, actually, the first time I ever got called uh, faggot was oh, I, can I say you're that on you're there? completely yeah. fine to say. Um, I just don't feel comfortable saying. You know, I see. Um, so the first time that I ever got called faggot, I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually in the Blossom Hill schoolyard, and it was by a boy who went to my church. Um, so um, that's that was interesting. Um, and so um. That, I would say that was the first time I was ever exposed to that word. I did not understand what that word meant until yeah. like I was maybe 11 or 12. Um, but um, I have heard that word more times than I can count, especially in middle school and high school. Um, I would say high school especially. Thank you, LJHS football team. We love um, it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that probably came off a little salty. But, hey, um, you have the right to be salty, okay? But um, I would say, like, I have heard that word before from people that I consider acquaintances or friends. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have been, like, especially people who weren't there for the outing, like maybe people who moved here or people that I know from other spaces. Yeah. Like, I have heard them drop that word, like, oh, you know, like, that that's, like, a faggy thing to do or, like, mm. whatever. And I'm, like, you, you you do know I'm gay, right? And then the, I, I've seen a variety of reactions. I've seen some people uh, kind of get embarrassed and go, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. And then there are other people that go, like, oh, well, um, I only meant it as a joke or, like, mm-hmm. I, I promised there was, like, no bad intention behind it or, like, it just slipped out or, like, I didn't know what it meant. Like, I, I've heard all the yeah. different reactions that come behind it. 
Um, I've also heard it used in like much more derogatory senses. Like it just senior year, I was walking home um, down Inglewood and as I approached the corner of Inglewood and Topping, um, I had a p- piece of paper. I still remember it was a white piece of paper and it hit the edge of my head. It got thrown from a gray Toyota bunch of boys in there i don't know who exactly they were i assume they were from my grade because they seemed to have been there from the for the outing yeah but um they called fat called me faggot laughed and then drove down the street um and so i i have heard that word a million different times i've been called all the different slurs in the book i've been called cocksucker shirt lifter daffodil fruity twinkie all the different gay slurs i've been called um i've been called the t slur even though that one doesn't apply to me um so yeah, I have definitely been harassed in that sense. Um, you know, just like in malicious ways, I've heard the F word dropped in less malicious, but still harmful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've heard that word a lot. That that word and I have been exposed to each other quite God. a bit. And I think the thing too, I think this is going to be a wake up call for a lot of people too, mm-hmm. because I think, I think some people have this idea that like Los Gatos is like, you know, this progressive town and like, we're all like liberal and like this and that. And it's like, you know, we love our image. Image is very important to us. And I feel like that is the image, you know. It's a joke. Right? But exactly, like underneath it, it's like we're not all that fucking progressive. Like we're, you know, I know so many people who'd be like, oh, well, like it's so much better to be like gay like today than it was like 50 years ago. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe that's true in the sense, in like certain senses, but like you can I can get married, but I still got pretty badly harassed. Exactly. Like things like that. And just a few weeks ago, I had to watch the Supreme Court debate whether or not people can fire me for being oh, gay. So. Right. Exactly. Just, you know, the fact that like your basic like human rights are like at, at risk like every day. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I think people think that, you know, because we live in this town or whatever, that we're like immune to like things like this still, or that we're, you know, we're so forward thinking or things are so much better now. And I hate when people use, you know, things are better now than they were back then as an excuse. Cause it's like, that doesn't give you an excuse to like write off trying to get better still. Like you can acknowledge like the progress you've made and be like, yeah, good for us. We're at a different place here, but we still have a really long way to go. And yeah, and it's like the fact that, you know, like I honestly can picture freaking parents' faces right now being like, oh my God, he was treated like that in this town. And it's like, yeah, that happens. People, And it was your kid who did it. Exactly. Like Mm. you're going to be surprised. Like I think that there are so many people who don't, uh, I think a lot of parents too, who, who, you know, don't really know what their kid is saying at school or who they're talking to at school or who they're harassing at school like you might think that you know your kids like a little baby angel and i'm sure in some ways they are but i'm sure in other ways they do things that you have you would never dream that they would do absolutely you know Mm. and it's just that makes me so irritated but and i think i think honestly too a lot of that stuff is coming up right now with like the sexual assault awareness stuff because i think people are kind of having um this sort of reckoning with Mm. like well, I didn't see this stuff. I didn't witness this. So can I still like believe it or whatever? Like whose side am I going to be on or this Mm -hmm. or that? And it's just like, just because you didn't experience something for yourself doesn't mean that you can't still like 
believe that someone else experienced it. Absolutely. Like adding on to that, like if we're going to go like, for example, like I have encountered a lot of people who tell me and like, I struggled with this, like with so many different people Mm -hmm. in my life who said like, when I finally came forward about my experience, having been outed after having stuffed it down for two years, um, I had said, you know, like, this is what happened to me. This is the person who did it. She lives nearby Mm -hmm. and you know like she has this cute little image down you probably think she is such a sweet girl she's not um and like these are the kinds of things that happen behind closed doors high school sometimes not even behind closed doors thank you (laughs) um but um you know i would say like jetting off into like the sexual assault and rape discussion Mm -hmm. like I can tell you specifically, I have never been to a single party at Los Gatos High School. Mm -hmm. I have never been to a school dance. I have never been to any sort of social event because when I was hanging out with that crowd, I was not allowed to attend their events. Um, And when, and for the rest of it, I was kind of more of a wallflower. But I can tell you when you, when you hear these survivors come forward and when you see the way people treat each other around here, you can see from the pain, from Mm -hmm. the tension, you, you know, the problems there. You Mm -hmm. don't have to have experienced it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's such a good point. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you, you can just be, looking in someone's eyes totally mm. like you you can be the fucking guy next door the girl next door whatever and have your secrets in terms of how you treat other people and i think yeah the, again like this town is just like image 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 so i get it that some people are kind of surprised or like thrown off by things right now where they're like you know wow and like, i'm guilty of that no, exactly. Yeah. And I am too. You know, like mm-hmm. there, it is, it is a lot. Like we're, you know, for a little more context for what we're referencing, like there, basically there was a 15 year old girl at our school and I'm only going to reveal sort of as much as she's put public, but she was raped and she put it, yeah, she put it on, you know, um, she shared her story over social media and it kind of blew up. And another girl who's an alum, a Los Gatos High School alum, wrote um an open letter basically addressing it and addressing the culture at our school and on a particular sports team and um it kind of blew up and there was an instagram page called me too lghs if you want to check it out go check it out but there are hundreds of stories of girls from lghs who have experienced sexual assault harassment rape the full gamut so i think and even a few boys too Absolutely. And yeah, and I think some non-binary folks too. I haven't, you know, there's some that I honestly like can't even bring myself to read because it's so much. But I think, you know, it's it's something where people are seeing this and they're going, there's no way there can be that many stories or there's no way this and that. Or, or if there I are that saw... many, they're lying. Right, exactly. Or, you know, yeah, I never saw this, so it must not exist. Like they must be lying or it must be wrong. No. That's not how it fucking works, okay? Like, people have things that they're not going to openly share with everyone. Like, and it's not, it's also not like you're a sexual assault survivor and then you, like, have this, like, identifying mark about you. And same you know thing, I mean? like, with a rapist. Exactly. They they're not the shadowy figure in the back of an alley, or exactly. at least not always. Like, Most they're of the your time, brothers. it's an acquaintance. They're exactly. acquaintance. They're your brother. They're your husband. They're your friend. They... Whatever. Yeah, they're mm. a great person mm. to the rest of the world. They can be that, and they can still be a fucking rapist. Mm. And you have to understand that those aren't, you know, like, mutually exclusive. And I think that's a big mm. thing, too, is, like, all these people, yeah, just, like, doubting things. And I get it. I get this 
sort of desire to like want to understand more or want to, I don't want to say investigate more, but want to learn more for yourself. I get that. But that doesn't mean that you instantly have to look at someone's story and say they're, they're lying. They can't be telling the truth because I know this person or they can't be saying this because I went to that school and I never heard these things. I just think it's interesting how like, and again, this is specifically from my own experience. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if it's fair to extrapolate this to other issues. No, but this but, is about you. Well, but Go like, for, for example, like it only took one post for everybody to believe that I was a predator, mm-hmm. that I was a liar, that I was out to attack people, that I had been concealing my identity so I could hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, it only took one post to ruin everything that I had spent, ye- friendships that I had spent years building. Um, but it's interesting how every time I say that I, there's always, I'm always met with uh, some degree of skepticism about the extent, whether or not it happened, the details, whatever. And like, I think the same applies to, um, like to rape stuff. I think, Mm -hmm. um, like if, if a, if a guy says that a girl was lying about rape, people will generally believe him. Right. And that can only take one guy. Um, for example, our uh, president has been accused by it's north of 50 women. Um, and yet there is still debate over whether or not that's true. Right. Um, and like, for, similarly, like it only takes one guy to make a comment about how a woman is promiscuous and everyone believes him. Right. But if a woman makes a comment about how he mistreats women or if he mm-hmm. does something that is problematic, it's put up for debate. Absolutely. It can be one woman. It can be a hundred women. It's still up for debate. Absolutely. And I think it's like so much of it too is just like addressing like the culture problem and mm-hmm. that like rape culture is a real thing. And Absolutely. I think people have a lot of people like don't understand that term or they hear that term and they think, oh, you know, that means like that you think rape's okay. Like just because you understand the idea that rape is bad, like let's hopefully we're all starting off. But the rape same... is just the tip of the iceberg. Exactly. Like hopefully we're all starting off at that same fucking starting point. Because if you don't think rape is bad at this point, just just turn this off right now. Just don't even fucking listen. But Like, it is all these little micro things that add up to a culture that enables rape and Mm -hmm. allows that to happen. Mm -hmm. Because they're, like, even your your locker room talk, all that shit, all that shit about, oh, I'm going to, like, fucking pound her tonight, this Mm -hmm. and that, she was such a bitch, this happened. The looks, the comments, the thoughts. Everything. It's, like, that contributes to it because you're, again, it's the desensitization and it's your... When you talk about another person like that, it's like you're denying their humanity. And the more that you do that, the more you just like objectify them and, you know, put aside their humanity, the easier it is to be violent towards them, to hurt that group of people, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And it's just, yeah, I just think that there's such a culture problem, especially at our school. It's absolutely like a nationwide, worldwide issue too, but you know, we have the power to like change things in our community mm-hmm. and that's what we're trying to do. And it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just a lot right now. And it, and it feels like our community is like taking sides almost when like, that's not what it's about. And like, mm-hmm. that shouldn't have to be absolutely what it's about. We definitely do have a culture problem in that. I think we've also in the same way that we've managed to separate rape from rape culture i think in the same way we've managed to separate human rights from politics yeah and all these other different things like i know that when i bring up like especially like in certain classes like history or english and in my later years of high school i would be more vocal about my experiences as a queer wild cat and stuff like that and you know like i would receive comments like 
you know, you, you, you talk about this too much or you, you get so angry, which I, and you know what? I hear that one. I do get angry, <laughs> Me too. but, um, but, uh, I, I think, you know, we can't, we can't talk about politics and economics and human rights as if they're separate. Right. And like in just in circling back to this town, we've treated, I think we've treated racial issues. We've treated economic issues. We've treated, um, misogynistic issues we've treated homophobic issues in the sense that they are a problem that's separate from us and like we can live our daily life without acknowledging yes absolutely and so i think we need to get to a place where we think about you know like our daily life our daily life is the most important part of it like Mm -hmm. if you if you clutch your purse anytime a, a random black guy walks by you that is connected to the mass dehumanization of black people right if you if you think it's okay to fetishize me and other gay men as your gay best friends Mm -hmm. and to turn your nose up to lesbians and fetishize their their existence you are contributing to the the mass dehumanization of gay people if you think it is okay to uh make remarks about how hot your yoga teacher is when she is in some sort of position um which i have heard by the way yeah um like all these other different things you are contributing to the dehumanization and objectification of women and i think lg has convinced itself that like daily life and these really important things are separate like the most important battles are won in daily life i love that no Mm. that's so so accurate and true Mm. and like and again too this is like only if you're comfortable talking about this but i know that you this issue is like something that like hits close to home and stuff for you. Absolutely. And I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. If you don't, we can totally skip it. But if you do want to talk about your experience at all with just like sexual assault awareness and your own personal experiences, then go right ahead. <laughs> sexual assault awareness. I would say my biggest, I would say my intro to this is a very dear, f- well, actually not, not even just one. I have multiple people who in my life who have been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. There are people within my family who have um, dealt with uh, harassment and assault. And um, growing up, it was it was less clear to me. I didn't really understand how close it was to yeah. me. Um, but like, especially as I entered high school, when I understood some of the, um, the, you know, traumatic stories that, you know, have gone on to people close to my life, you know, like, especially I would say my friends, you know, things that I have learned from my friends where they have had some horrific experience that caused them to go within themselves that, you know, a a well-known figure in the LG community hurt them so badly. Um, I think it, it made me, I was empathetic in the sense that I could relate to having been very deeply hurt by someone that I considered my friend and that a lot of people consider to be a good person, even though she committed a very horrendous crime. Right. Um, and I think definitely those two situations aren't the same, but however, I, I felt a need to be an ally. I mean, like I personally, I think we need to advocate for all issues and like, say if someone is less vocal about one issue, but still makes a good point about an issue that applies to them, we still need to listen to them. But I don't feel comfortable advocating for my issues. Like, um, like I don't feel advocating about comfortable about advocating how toxic masculinity hurt me or how homophobia hurt me, things like that, unless. I also step up and use my voice to help other Mm. people. Yeah, Mm. I love that. And, Mm. you know, the thing about that is I was having a good conversation with my mom about this earlier today, but I've been kind of wrestling with this feeling of almost like 
do I look like I'm, you know, jumping from issue to issue kind of like, do, is that what people see when they see me and they see me being involved in things like this, but they see me being involved in black lives matter things too. Does it, does, you know, does the way that that comes off look as if I'm just like grabbing the hot button issue and joining that? Right. Exactly. And, and, but I think you said it perfectly. It's like, if you're not stepping up on, you know, the issues that don't necessarily apply to you or don't directly affect you, and you're only speaking on the ones that do, mm-hmm. it's like, mm, okay, like that, that says a lot, you know, and you, we need to all make sure that we're still speaking up for the ones that we, that don't always necessarily like personally affect us or that Absolutely. we can't relate to. Mm-hmm. But, but again, it's so weird. Cause I feel like it's this like catch 22 where it's like that. Yeah, that is me. And like, that's my identity. And like, I want to speak up for things. But at the same time, I feel almost like I'm being judged or like that's a possibility of looking like I'm, you know, like a performative activist or something like that. And it's it's just this weird thing because then I'm like, am I really about to dial down my real activism out of fear of looking like a performative Performative activist? activist. Like, what is this? Like, it just, you, you know, it just feels like a double bind. Like you're just stuck either way. Absolutely. And I think part I think part of the way I think our system is so crushing in the way that it has taught us to be scared of advocating for fear of backlash yeah. or for fear of doing it wrong. And like, I have heard a very, um, a, a black activist that I follow, I believe her name is Danielle Prescott. She had said something along the lines of, no one is expecting you to be perfect, white mm-hmm. allies. Like, I understand y'all are going to make a bunch of mistakes mm-hmm. along the way, but doing something is better than just posting a black square and calling it a day. Right. So, you know, I think even if, you, even if you know, like, even if you're still getting the hang of it, even if you're hitting a bunch of issues, but like you're like you're having trouble if you're low on energy, that's still something. You can tell you're, yeah. you're putting energy into that. And, you know, like I have met people and especially from the town of Los Gatos, I see a lot of curated Instagram feeds where like they will have like a specific, extremely like strategic highlight for Black Lives Matter. Or mm-hmm. I've even seen ones called activism where they have a few very, I'm not kidding, I've seen that. Um, and where it'll be uh, something along the lines of, it'll have like very mainstream, very popular posts. Like mm-hmm. it'll just be like Black Lives Matter or uh, like, uh, I'm trying to think of another one that's become a little bit more mainstream Mm -hmm. is less controversial. Like, um, gosh, for example, like, um, my, my body, my choice, or like, they'll just post these general little things without thinking about, Oh, I don't think you're thinking about what organizations can you donate to? Who can you, whose opinion can you change that will help? Can you call or email a represent representative? Mm -hmm. What are some resources you can think about yourself to maybe educate yourself? Um, And like, that's something I've had to do. Like I've had to think about like for a lot of high school, like I did a lot of posting on social media, but I would say my, my, my thinking sector, I didn't, I don't know if I did as much thinking about how I held these biases, even Mm. though I had a positive intention, I still held a bias that was harmful and like how, yeah, I, I would say that just posting on Instagram, posting on Instagram is a positive thing. Like if you post on your story, something that may educate someone and may educate you, that's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, education only goes so far if it's implemented. Yeah. Like, like, for example, like, I can talk about this with sex ed at Los Gatos High School. I can talk about this with the invisible backpack unit at Los Gatos High School mm-hmm. and English Nine Honors. We can talk about privilege. We can talk about misogyny. We can talk about all this other different stuff. But until we think about clear ways for us to be allies and for us to tangibly change the problem, 
it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Like, I can tell you, every single class at Los Angeles High School was required to take a unit on the invisible backpack of white privilege. You'd think that we would have far fewer racial issues mm-hmm. at our school if we all, if if that thing was in place. Like, why, why we should all be surprised that if we have that and we still have racial problems. What's but, happening? Yeah. But I think the thing is, is that it's very vague. It's definitely written from a white perspective. We read books like To Kill a Mockingbird that are from, that are written by white authors and mm-hmm. are written from a white perspective. And that is not to diminish the effect of to kill books like To Kill a Mockingbird. But the thing we need to understand is is that like listening is listening is important, but listening isn't is not enough. Like mm-hmm. when we talk about things like with this Me Too movement that has finally, thankfully, reached Los Gatos. Yeah. You know, male football or I shouldn't say specifically football players, but like the male population of Los Gatos listening is not enough. There needs to be and like specifically, and I think this can apply to a host of issues, but like when you hear a, make somebody making an extremely gross sexual comment about mm-hmm. a woman, you need to call him out and you need yeah. to say that is not okay. Uh, that's not funny or glare or do something that shows that that's not acceptable right. or a sit down and have a conversation with him about how that is toxic and harmful to yeah. women. Um, and like just... I don't know. I think we need to examine our language, um, the media we consume. Like I can say specifically, and I've never really listened. To, this is a, this is a whole tangent. This is a whole discussion. All hey, we love tangents. But like I, I wouldn't say that I have a very mainstream music taste. I listen to mostly Japanese pop and classical music. Love it. Um, and so that that is definitely not the overarching music taste here in uh, Los Gatos High School. But um, like, especially when I've heard things like very specific artists, very specific genres, I notice that there is like frequent language that um, is used to degrade women, like mm-hmm. things like uh, she's for the streets. Um, and I'm, I'm just, that's just one very prominent example I've mm-hmm. heard. But things like that were just, we have normalized it to a degree where we can say the N word in a song. We can talk about raping and murdering women in songs. Mm-hmm. We can listen to all these horrible things and it doesn't bug us. And when we hear it in our daily life, whether it's a person saying it or an artist, artist singing it or our president saying it yeah it doesn't bother us right and yeah i don't even know where i'm going with this. no I'm just it's, ranting. it's all exact it's sometimes that's how it has to come out because sometimes mm. like that's what this town needs to hear mm. and it's like even you know when i think about issues of sexual assault too when this all started coming up i was i started reflecting on my own experiences more and i think mm. that's what a lot of people started doing absolutely um and you know it, i i have never experienced sexual assault myself Mm. however i have experienced things that were not okay Mm. and i you know whether i didn't realize that at the time or i didn't understand just how not okay they were i don't know and i don't know if it was me trying to comfort myself almost by being like well it's okay it's not that big of a deal like you know i i had a conversation with my mom the other day too about love my mom i just keep bringing her up but she's a g but (laughs) like had a conversation where I was reflecting back and I was thinking about um, just this time where I hooked up with this guy and he was kind of pressuring me to drink and I ended up drinking. Yeah. And I ended up drinking and um, I through no fault of your own. Right. And it, but you know, it's hard for me because I do think that there is 
this line of like, where do I take accountability versus where do I let that be something that happened to me versus something I played a part in. Absolutely. And there was definitely like, I, I learned later too that this, that I was experiencing a hypomanic episode mm. of, um, bipolar disorder so it made more sense that i was like more reckless that kind of thing but basically i ended up in a situation where i um i had sex with this guy and i was at his house and we were having sex and he slapped me across the face dear god and hard like like i've never been hit like that before in my entire life and like i was in I was an athlete for many years. I got many injuries. Like I've had a ton of concussions, all these things. And I like, I got my fucking jaw rocked. And it was the kind of thing where I remember. What kind of person do you have to be to do that? Right. And, and, and I was, I was still drunk, but I remember being like, what, what was that? Like, what the hell, what the hell did you just do? Like what? And he was like, oh, like my ex-girlfriend liked that. So like, I thought you would. And I'm like, no, no, we never, you know, we never discussed this. You never asked me if that was okay. You never, there was no discussion of this. You can't just assume that. And like, that's like, you just like violently hit me across the face. Like that is not okay. And so extremely sorry. (laughs) I don't even know how to process that. That's just, that's horrifying. It's a thing. what, What I think is almost like scarier to me is that like, I didn't process it for a really long time. Like only until this stuff started coming up, did I start looking back and going, yeah, that was really fucked up. And, you know, but I remember going home the next day and just being like, well, that was something. And just kind of going back to things because I was like, well, people have been through worse and, you know, it's, it's just something that happens. And sometimes guys are just like that. And it's like, no, no. that's not an excuse. You don't get to write things off like that. But I think for my own like sanity and I was just like, whatever, because it's easier to do that than to have to like acknowledge, you know, what happened or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I don't, again, it's that thing of, you know, I'm not trying to dramatize something. I'm not trying to get attention, Mm -hmm. sympathy, all these things that I think people always like assume when someone starts like telling their story. Mm -hmm. And I completely acknowledge that there's so many people who've been through much more serious like assaults, all these things, but that doesn't mean that like that wasn't fucked up. You know, and it's that Absolutely. weird, that weird balance of like, how do I share this and let people know that like, yeah, these things happen. And sometimes also that's why it takes people a long time to come forward mm-hmm. because sometimes they're still processing things for themselves and you don't really get the right to judge, you know, oh, well, they didn't say something right after it happened. Absolutely. So like just shit like that, where I don't know, I think this all has like made me reflect on mm-hmm. things more. And I think that that, if anything, that is, you know, a huge takeaway for all of us is Absolutely. to be reflecting, to be learning. Absolutely. And yeah, just like having an open mind in general. I really like the point you made about uh, reflection and thinking about that, because I think one of the most potent tools of oppression that the oppressing class can use on the oppressed class mm-hmm. is blurring the line of accountability. Yeah. And I think we have seen that come up in many different sectors of our yeah, society. Absolutely. Like whenever, when I first heard about George Floyd, I can think, I can't even name them all because there's so many, but I can think of so many different ways that people seem to place more accountability on the black person who was being murdered right on the police or oh, and yeah. anybody who murdered him yep like whether that be uh he was 
acting aggressive. He uh, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He had a criminal record. He had a criminal record. Mm -hmm. Um, He was doing X, Y, Z thing. And for me, and maybe this is an accurate comparison, an inaccurate comparison for me to be making as someone who's outside of both situations. But for me, the first thing I thought of as the tone and the structure of that, of in like for someone who's very interested in language, the tone and syntax of that reminded me so much of the way people speak to a woman after she has been sexually assaulted Mm. what were you wearing who who was it who did it to you why didn't you come forward why didn't you do this and this and this and this and this you're wrong it's your fault or whatever so i think we we struggle with that so much as a culture and for me i see that as we just we have victim blaming and gaslighting so deeply ingrained yeah i don't know how we're going to solve that but i think we need to solve it no, somehow. absolutely and i feel like even that's something that happened to you like with you coming forward and you know trying to tell people like yeah i was outed i was blackmailed mm-hmm. and people being you know not believing you or approaching it as like well what did you do to make this happen or mm-hmm. how did you fuck up that this is what you happened? let it slide on for a right. year you knew this person you picked was them bad. as a friend yeah, yeah. like there that's not a justification for anything and that's not where your questions or thought process or anything should go first like Absolutely. that's it's so alarming that that is the norm and i think again that's just another thing that we're trying to trying to change because there's so many things that need to change but absolutely i mean yeah i just overall too just on a more personal note but like what what do you think has gotten you through all of these experiences and you know to the point where you're at today and i i know you mentioned too that like senior year was kind of when you fully like accepted your sexuality and like just all this shit what do you think it is that has gotten you to the point where you're at now um, I think, oh gosh, I would say if I were to sum it up, maybe one thing would be perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this, this may sound unrelated, but it'll come together as I explain it further. <laughs> um, when, so my intended major when uh, for college is uh, Japanese language. And so I have liked Japanese ever since I got into high school. I fell in love with it, not thinking that I was going to, but I um, especially as I began to study Japanese, I began to find that I really loved different cultures, not even just Japan, but Mm -hmm. many different cultures. And I resonated with different parts of different ones. I thought it was, and like, especially when I went to Japan as an exchange student, I felt so weirdly welcome, even Mm -hmm. though I was a foreigner. And it was probably because I had just been outed and I went right after I was a sophomore. So (laughs) they they were clearly on in a much different place than I was. But, um, you know, I, they're, they're, I think getting some perspective, finding different people, like after being outed, I realized that just being popular, being with the preps, uh, that, that was not for me. That was Mm -hmm. not a healthy place for me. I was never meant to be there. Um, and so I needed to change my expectations of what good friends look like. I think that helped me looking, looking for people and accepting overtures from people who were much better I think helped mm-hmm. me a lot. Um, but I, if I do have to say one thing that just made things so much better was honesty with myself mm-hmm. and with others. Like I, even though the, the process itself um, involved a little bit of like back and forth and misunderstanding, when I came out to my parents and to my family, I felt like the air was so much clearer. Mm. I remember I was in like a state of like almost, almost like quasi euphoria, like being able (laughs) to come home and like not have to make things up or not have to leave out details. Like I could just, 
I could be normal. And I like, I realized this is so weird, but this is the, this is what straight people feel like yeah, all the time. Right. Um, and so like that, that helped me feel so much better. And like being able to take accountability um, and accepting with myself, like the fact that I am not attracted to women is is not a bad thing. Like if if I'm going to be living a different life than the one my parents mapped out for me, like that is okay. I don't need to yeah. feel ashamed or guilty about that. Like I will forge my own path. Um, and like I feel like that's usually something people say when they don't get into the ivy that their parents <laughs> have gotten into for the for, that their parents and grandparents have gotten into. But for me, it's it's, it's a different fully situation. Applicable. Yeah. And um, yeah, just that that honesty, that realization, and maybe mm-hmm. even acceptance is a better word just accepting that my life is going to be different than I thought it was going to be um accepting that there there are going to be some bumps along the way not mm-hmm. everybody is going to be super happy about the rainbow pride party <laughs> that's going on in here but oh ex- ex- please excuse me no um, problem but um uh and I would say just acceptance that um I'm gay it's not changing and I can be happy about that and that's yes. not a bad thing and I would say that that has been revolutionary like miraculous yeah. almost I love that Thank I love you. that so much mm-hmm. and like did your did your parents react well too like how did they react when you came out to them because I know obviously like that's a huge like mm-hmm. weight off your shoulders mm-hmm. and so much but I'm sure the build up to actually coming out to them was so much I mean, I was definitely stressed in the moment because mm-hmm. I had played like a million different scenarios of how this was going to go badly in yeah. my head. Like we have a cousin on my mom's side who um, who uh, had a very difficult experience uh, with his family after he came out as gay. Um, and so that, that scared me. Um, it scared me like, was I going to get questions? Was I going to get demonized for not providing grandchildren? Mm. My sister had already came out before me. And so I was like, am I just going to get told that I'm faking it and like right. doing it, this for attention? Like are, what, how, how are they going to react? And like, also like, I don't know whether they're more okay with like lesbians than they are gay people. Cause like, I know that like when people think lesbians, like when people think it's a woman and a woman, if there's no penetration, like that's not sex. So like what, like they, right. we have, we have a weir- very weird conception of sex in our culture. Absolutely. And like, they think it like, if it's two men, like, I don't know if they think of that as weirder than like, if it's two girls, like, I did not know what they thought. I th- I thought maybe they might think that I was promiscuous and predatory mm-hmm. and whatever. I thought maybe they might believe the same things that my peers believed about me after I was outed. And this is where the PTSD flares up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, you know, there definitely was, um, I would say we had to discuss, um, I would say the biggest thing we struggled with when I came out was trying to highlight why I didn't come out earlier and there's so many different things that I kept from them for benevolent reasons and kind of just having to like grieve together that that was a part of my life that I couldn't share with them Mm. and I think that that makes them sad too that they were unable to help me when I needed it um and that it was ultimately preventable in a sense but um yeah I would say the biggest thing we struggled with was kind of just processing the whole it had been going on for so long like this this oppression and subjugation under their noses yeah Mm. I mean that's Mm. it's so great though that you're at the point today though where that has been you know a a formative experience for you and where you're at the point where like that like you can be you and not have to have all those fears and all those, am I, you know, are, are my legs crossed right now? Mm. Am I deepening my voice? All of these things. And like, seriously, I just want to applaud you so much for just thank you going through all the shit that you've been through. But not only that, but like 
coming out of it stronger and coming out of it in a way that you know you have so much empathy for other people like it's so apparent and just so much like just love and just overall like willingness to you know to like just to want to help other people and to want to hear people's stories and stuff so seriously mad props that sounds so stupid but for real so yeah i always you know the last thing i always ask people is if you could give any kind of advice to like either your younger self or like an underclassman or someone listening what do you think it would be gosh um for me it would be to oh gosh if i could tell myself somehow this is going to sound so cliche but if (laughs) rearranging your life in or bending over backwards all all day long uh to keep other people happy is a absolutely fruitless endeavor Mm. and i am saying that because i spent 17 years of my (laughs) life doing it um tried and tested (laughs) yes uh so just the thing is is so i'm saying this from my own personal experience no matter how long you are going to you no matter how much you try, no matter how long you try and keep the secret, and like this is aimed at like my LGBTQ yeah. plus audience, but um, no matter how long you try and keep that a secret, no matter how well you try and keep that a secret, it's going to get out. I can say that it did for me. Mm-hmm. And so I would say definitely don't do it in a place where you're unsafe, but I would say if you can, make sure that that confession comes from you and not someone who hates you or yeah. is doing it to attack you yeah so definitely take that power on yourself empower yourself Mm. um and just circling back to the you don't need to please other people and you don't need to rearrange your life for them and also you don't need to cower because of other people yeah like i can i can think of i think part of the reason my high school experience was so tumultuous was because every time i was under some sort of attack or i felt like or even if i felt like i was under some sort of attack i immediately handed over my power to the other person i told myself um i'm not strong enough to survive on my own Mm. um i need some someone near me even if they're abusive um you know whether that be emotionally physically whatever right um and just you know like you you have no power so you you have to take what you're given and don't ask for more or else you will be kicked to the depths like you were when you were a sophomore so just reminder to everyone listening to this that is not what Mm -hmm. you should be telling yourself you are amazing you are strong you are worthy of respect that actually may i i changed that that is what (laughs) i want to tell everybody you are worthy of respect and you should refuse to let anybody treat you otherwise yeah um do not let people mistreat you i that and i know that that's a very tall order and that's much easier said than done but don't do that you have more power than you think you do absolutely Mm. i love that so much oh my god thank you dude thank you so much for doing this thank you for having me i had a great time i'm so glad yeah you're just so open and i just had such a good time talking to you so thank you for opening up and you know letting me in you know Mm. 